The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, so uh, we have a change of plans <laughs> um, because uh, about half of the year uh, is not here, uh, which we knew ahead of time. And uh, because I, uh, there were a lot of uh, events this week that, uh, that disrupted you know, normal planning, uh, then I decided to um, kind of do a compromise. So we're going to be on topic, but defer answering all the questions uh, that we had last time. Okay. Uh, until, uh, until later on. All right. So um, let me give a little methodology introduction first. I think this is something I'm pretty sure I first heard this from Robbie Schwartz, I think 17 or 18 years ago. I don't think it was more than that. Um, he said, I don't know, even know the context we were discussing, the question of how do you know when, like, let's say you're exploring an area like we're doing with Tefillah right now, how do you know when you're on the right track? Okay. Like, how do you know if your idea is like, you know, totally off base? Okay. Or if you're on the right track. So he said, if you're on the right track, then Rishonim will light up on the way and show the path. Well, I first heard it from Robbie Schwartz. Okay. I heard it. I can tell you exactly the day. I just don't know the year. It was on Purim afternoon outside of Rebbe's house. He was drunk. Maybe I don't know, I, <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, but it stuck with me. So what? As if, never mind. Okay. <laughs> um, so what happened was after we did uh, last time we went over uh, how tefillah works, and we did my understanding of it. We did the the um, the tefillos, okay, uh, the avodas alev, and then over Shabbos I was looking through tefillah stuff and I found that the sefer ikarim basically. Um, not only like spells out what we said, but elaborates on it in a way that like expand, expanded my idea of tefillah. All right. So I want to go over the Sefer Ikarim today. It's two chapters in the Sefer Ikarim. And I thought we would be able to do both of them tonight, but I think the first one might be so rich that we might not even get to the second one. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll just give you a, a sneak peek about what he's going to deal with. He's going to deal with uh, why you should dive into Hashem. And he's going to also deal with a very, I guess, um, touchy topic, which is the limits of what you're allowed to daven for. Okay. Um, so we're going to get a little bit into that as well. And then, and then the next chapter, which I don't know if we're going to start is like how the actual mechanisms of tefillah work. Okay. So let's first start by reviewing what we did last time. Okay. All right. Um, not the whole thing of what we did last time, but just the, uh, the parts that we're going to go on with today. Okay. So we had, what is tefillah? Yeah, you're here. Okay. So we said um, tefillah is to uh, judge yourself in Hashem's framework. He's follow Hashem. That was my understanding. And then the Avodah Salev said that pilel means to remove confusion from our thoughts and arrive at a clear confusion. Okay. Then he said, hold on just a second here. Then he said, he, he dealt with the question of why is tefillah in the reflexive? Okay. So he said, I'm just going to reread it again. Uh, he says, and why is the verb for tefillah always in the reflexive mode? Uh, which indicates doing an act to oneself because tefillah does not cause a change or an alteration in Hashem's will, changing it to benefit the davener because Hashem transcends and is exalted above all change and alteration. As it is said, I am Hashem, I do not change. Rather, tefillah effects a change and alteration in the soul of the davener when he gives over his heart and thought to his creator. And through this, when his tefillah is proper, change and alteration will result in his individual situation. Uh, 
For Hashem is always ready and prepared to benefit his people who follow in his ways, and that is how he created the world. Rather, it is they, the people, who have blocked this divine beneficence by building a barrier through their actions and their undesirable ways between themselves and their creator. But when they remove this barrier through tefillah, they will automatically become disposed towards the good, such that the davener effects change in himself, causing his soul's level to ascend, thereby preparing him to receive the good. So the summary was... According to the Avodah Salev is to change oneself by engaging in the thought clarification process of tefillah, thereby rendering oneself worthy of receiving the good that constantly flows from Hashem. Okay, now, I don't even know how to ask this as a question, so I'm just going to say it as a statement. Um, I was always under the assumption that the reason why he emphasizes that Hashem doesn't change is because Hashem doesn't change. Okay, I think that's a reasonable assumption, right? But what the Sefer Hari Karim is going to say is he's going to say, not only is it a factual thing that Hashem doesn't change, but that the only one you should dive into is a being who doesn't change. Okay. Meaning, and the Navkamina is, let's say you found some God that did change. Okay. The argument would still be that it is better to dive into Hashem than the God that changes. And that's a very different thing that I, again, I just, maybe because I'm, 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 you know, just naively, you know, innocent, like Rambam 13 Yikarim, you know, person over here going in, assuming that Hashem doesn't change. And that's just the facts that we're working with. So he makes the argument that no, 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 it is, you shouldn't dive into anyone other than uh, an unchanging being. And then he's going to, he's going to elaborate on that. Okay. So let, let's dive so into this. It's not even two positions. It's just, uh, it's just two ways, two ways of understanding this. It is a fact that Hashem doesn't change and that Tfila changes us. But the question is, like, why is that relevant? So one reason it's relevant is because it's true. So, of course, it has to be relevant. The other reason is that the only one you should direct your tefillah to is an unchanging being, namely Hashem. And that's what the Savior Karim is going to argue. Yeah, Ayala? Just, like, to understand what it would mean if there was a God who is changing. Yeah. Does that mean, like, there are no concrete systems in place? Uh, I'm going to leave that question um, unanswered and let the Sefer Ikarim talk out the premises. And I think either that'll answer your question or it'll cause you to re- oh, reformulate yeah. the question. All right, let, let's, let's let the Sefer Ikarim uh, speak for himself. Okay. And then we'll see. Okay. So uh, what we're going to do in, for the sake of expediency, you know, usually I like reading the, uh, the sources in the Hebrew. Um, but um, what I'm going to do for the sake of expediency is we have an English translation on Allah Torah of the Sefer Karim, and it's just going to flow better and I can have the English on the screen and then we could go to the Hebrew if we need to. So this is the translation by Dr. Isaac Husik, Philadelphia, 1929. Okay. So <laughs> family member of yours. All right. Yeah. Okay. So this is in the Sefer Karim 417. Okay. And we're going to go to the Hebrew if we need to. So for example, I, I don't, I don't know why people translate Chas as loving kindness. So just kindness. Okay. I mean, I mean, Whatever. Okay, fine. So he says, all kinds of, of kindness emanate and derive from God, and there is no other being who can bestow a kindness on anyone. The reason is because one cannot expect an absolute kindness from anyone unless the latter has the following four attributes. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. You, you can't expect kindness from someone unless they have four attributes. Okay, one, he must be unchangeable. For if he is subject to change, the kindness coming from him cannot be absolute because it will not be permanent. But God is the only unchangeable being, as I explained in book two, chapter two, which I believe for Pesach gave Shiran maybe last year. Okay. So that's number one, right? So if you are trying to get kindness, 
you can get kind of, let's say like you get kindness from a human, but only if that feature that allows them to have the kindness doesn't change. And as soon as they change, you can't get the kindness anymore. Okay, so you said, just, to, just to clarify, yeah. you can't expect an absolute kindness versus kindness. Right. Yeah, yeah. Chesed so, Gamor. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, you can expect kindness from people, just right. not absolute right. kindness. Yeah. Why? Just because the being is unchangeable, does that mean that the kindness from that being is unchangeable? Mm, no. Yeah. And that's actually going to be clarified with the second one. Okay. Second one. No, no, sorry. The third third one? What, what, it seems like what he was saying in number one. So... I'm not sure what he's saying, actually. He's so, saying, so like this, let's, yeah. like if you, okay, let, let's say, let's take an example of a doctor. Okay. Let's say this doctor, you're depending on this doctor to heal you. Okay. But doctors get old and then their hands start to shake and then they start to lose their mind and then they suddenly can't do it anymore. Right. So, so you can't depend on that, you know, or you ask someone to lift up, uh, help you lift something. So at a certain point, like they can't lift it, you know, right. but if God says that he's going to do a kindness for you, you don't have to worry about that, about him changing and then losing the ability to do that kindness. Let's get the full picture. Okay. I think that'll be, it'll be better. All right. Two, he must not require the aid of any other being in bestowing the kindness or benefit in question. For if he requires the aid of another, the recipient cannot be sure of the continuance of that kindness under the, uh, unless the aid continues. This okay, fun word here. The superlunar powers does not mean like a superlunar. It means okay. Back then they assumed that um, that everything that from the moon and below operated according to certain principles, and then everything above the moon was like um, like made out of the fifth element, and uh, things didn't change, etc. So like talking about like um, well, this is like roughly equivalent to what we would call the laws of nature, okay, um, or like natural phenomena. Let's just say that for simple. I'm oversimplifying it grossly, okay? But for our point, the superlunar powers are a case in point. They indicate a certain event uh, if a certain other condition or cause is there to assist them. For example, if the rising star is in its elevation or faces a favorable star and the like. Okay, let's use a modern example that's still true, tides. Okay, right? That um, that the uh, that the moon affects the tides, but the moon needs to be in a certain distance from the earth in order for it to affect the tides in a certain way. Okay. Or, or, you know, or, or in relation to the earth in a certain configuration. So it needs the cooperation of the earth in order for it to do that. It can't do it on its own. Okay. Um, But there's no other being who requires no assistance except God, as the Bible says, as the Bible says, I am the Lord that maketh all things. Let's just do this in Hebrew here. Ani Hashem Ose Kol Note Shemaim Levadi Roka Haaretz Mi'iti. So I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth spread uh, abroad the earth by myself. Okay, so God doesn't need any anyone to to do things. Okay, so you don't you don't have to rely on anyone else. Okay, three. Um, this pertains to the first question you asked. I think he must be equally able to do either of two opposed things else the recipient would not be able to obtain his desire at all times. For a person sometimes needs one thing and sometimes it's opposite. For example, sometimes he has to make war and sometimes he has, he has need of peace. Now it is well known in relation to the superlunar powers that the star which indicates war does not indicate peace. Okay, so I, I, I don't really know what his position is on astrology, but presumably he held by some form of astrology. Uh, and the star which indicates destruction does not indicate building up. And the star which indicates war has no power to change its indication into one of peace. Uh, similarly, the star that indicates disease does not indicate health. Hence, the recipient of a kindness can never be sure that he will always have the kindness that he needs unless the giver has equal ability to give either of two opposite things. So just in, to put it in, strangely enough, terms that are more ancient, that will make it easier. If you're an Ovidavodazara, okay, and you want uh, crops, who do you go to? The, 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 
You, you dance around a tree or something. What do you say? The idol. You go to the well, which idol? The crop idol. The crop god. Okay, right? You go to the crop god, right? Um, and uh, But if you want your neighbor's crops to perish, okay, so that your crops like can sell better, you can't go to the crop god. You go to the famine god. Yeah, you go to the famine god or the locust god or some of that, you know. So you and you can't get the locust god to make your stuff grow, and you can't get the crop god to make your neighbor's crops get eaten, you know. So um so each power is gonna have a certain limit. And then in modern terms, in the laws of nature, each of the laws of nature only has a certain program function, you know, or if you want to put it in Chazal's terms, each malach has one mission, you know. Um, so the only being you can go to who has absolute mastery and sends the malachim to do his will, you know, can control the nature is, is God and God could do, you know, opposite things. Okay. Cause he's the one who created all those things. So that's what he says about God. He says, but there's no one else who has this power except from God. As we read, um, I form light and create darkness. I make peace and I create evil. I am Hashem who does all these things. Okay. And four, the giver must also must be so situated that there is no other being who can prevent him from doing his will. For if there is one who can prevent him, then the recipient of the kindness can never be sure of obtaining the favor which he desires of the giver, for the latter may be prevented from doing it. Now it is clear that every being except God can be prevented by God, but no one can prevent God from doing his will. As we read, um, Behold, he snatcheth away who can hinder him. Who will say unto him, what doest thou? Okay, now he's going to review. When these conditions are combined in the giver, the recipient is assured that he will obtain his desire and that the kindness he receives will be permanent. Now, since there's no one but God who combines in him these four conditions, it is clear that one should not desire or hope for any favor from anyone else. The Bible makes this clear in the Song of Moses. Okay, this is a nice raya here. In Hazino. Okay, there's one pasuk. Ru'u ata ki ani anihu. Okay, see now, for I, I am he. Ve'in Elohim imadi, and there is no God with me. Ani amis v'achaye, I kill and I bring life. Machasti pa, I wound and I heal. Ve'in miyadi matiel, no one can be saved from my hand. Uh, there's no savior from my hand. Okay, so how does this prove it? Um, that's, a, that's a nice statement. Yeah, it's a nice statement. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, so let's even walk through it. He says, the meaning is as follows. The Gentiles who oppress the Jews think that God cannot save them, cannot save the Jews. Where are their gods, they say? The rock in whom they have trusted, who did eat fat, the fat of their sacrifices. Um, go and say that to me all the time. These words indicate that they think the God of Israel is like the other superlunar powers, that he is subject to change or that he needs the help of another God, or that he is not equally able to do all things and opposite things, or that there's another being who can prevent him. Hence, the text explains that the God of Israel is not like the other superlunar powers, as they think, but on the contrary, that, that God is eternal and unchanging. This is the meaning of the expression, see now that I, even I, am he, i.e. there is no other being in the world who can say about himself, I, I am he, except God. Okay, well, pause for a second. Let that sink in. Yeah. Why can no other being say, say I, I am he? Is it uh, changeable? But... Okay, how would that? I, I am. Meaning, like, if you mean, I think I am implies unchangeable, I guess. Is that what, is that what it means? That... Okay, you're on the right track. You're on, your intuition's on the right track. Meaning, like, like, you can't be I am if you're changing. It's like. Ah, okay, why not? Or give me an example, like, or explain. It's like saying, uh, you know, like, 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 I don't know, like, like, I don't know, like, like, I don't know, let's use math, I don't know, okay. like, uh, a digit, like, 
num- the number two is number two. Okay. Yeah. Like he could definitively say, I am number two. Okay. I am number two. Like, yeah. He, there's no opportunity for that two to be a three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, right. Okay. So I, th- I think, I think you got I the intuitive concept. It. Yeah. I know it's, it's hard to talk out these concepts. I'll, you you have an idea or no? Okay. Um, no, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say my other thing. Well, it sounds like he refers to the way we refer to God. So he's saying, I am he. So that means he's one and the same of who we are. Like, oh. <laughs> A lot of pronouns being thrown around here. I, he, who, we. Yeah, I didn't quite get what you were saying. I mean, the he is like the way we refer to God. He is the way we refer to God. Right. So how does that show that he... So, But but we're trying to show, or he's trying to show that this possibly means that God doesn't change. So I'm going to explain it my way, and then I'll show you the raw blog, and then we'll look at his. Okay. So... um, I think it's easier if you use the other name of God of I will be what I will be. Okay. And the way the Rama explains that uh, in one place, I think, is that um, the only one who can say, I will be what I will be is an unchanging being. Because if you say, I will be what I will be, that's just not true. Because physically you're always changing, right? You are aging. There's like sight, like natural change. And then you're also subject to change. Like someone could cut off your arm, you know, you could like get injured, you know, you can be more powerful, you know? So the only being who can say, I will be what I will be is an unchanging being. Okay. That's how the Ramam explained. And so I, I am he is saying like, there's a certain static nature to who I am. Okay. Rabag says it slightly differently. I am in one state or one characteristic. Tamid constantly zulas zulashinui without change. tamid and I am the one who is constantly like this, and I have no prior cause. And the way that Tzefari Karim explains it is, he says, um, the Prophet says, kadosh. To whom will ye liken me that I should be equal? Like who can you compare me with that I should be equal? Says the Holy One, i.e., that should be equal to me in deserving the name Holy. For every other being except Hashem, uh, except God changes from day to day and is not today what he was yesterday, having changed since then. Hence, he cannot use the expression, I, I am he, right? Uh, in other words, you have to say, I am someone other than I used to be, and I will be someone else than I will be, than I am right now. For he is not always the same in attribute. God, on the other hand, who is not subject to change, can say of himself, I, I am he. Similarly, the prophet uh, says, I, even I, am the Lord. The repetition of the pronoun can apply only to God who is today what he was yesterday without any change. This is a reference to the first attribute, uh, to the first attribute. Okay. Two other places where you see this um, in the Yigamumiya Sarachamim. What are the first two? Hashem, Hashem, right? So the Rabbag there says, Hashem, Hashem, before you go through any of the attributes, which are not actually qualities of God, but they're actions of God, you have to recognize that Hashem doesn't change. Okay, or the way Chazal say it is Ani Hashem Kodem Ani Hashem right? That your Chetan don't affect God. Another place where you see this is, um, uh, you know, in Hoshanos, this uh, Machlokas, <laughs> whether you say Ani Vahu Hoshiana or Ani Vaho Hoshiana. So Ani Vahu Hoshiana is the Ramam's uh, interpretation, and he says it comes from this Pasuk that, that the, the one who saves us is unchanging. Okay, these are just references. Okay. I've never been here on um, on Sukkot ever. So I assume, but I assume uh, we say Ani Bahu. I don't know though. The other one's Tosos, but I'm not sure. 
Um, okay, so that's number one. Okay, then he says, then Moses says, there's no God with me. Okay, that one's easier. This means I do not need anyone else to help me in my work and refers to the second attribute. He's single. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he continues, Ani amis I kill and I bring life. I wound and I heal. Okay, this means I can do equally either of two opposite things, an allusion to the third attribute. Then alluding to the fourth attribute, he ends up, of in Elohim, sorry, of in Miyadi Matzio, and there's none that can deliver out of my hand. This means that there's no being who can, who can prevent me from doing what I desire. And since there's no other being who combines in himself these four requirements, no kindness can come from anyone else but God. Hence, the psalmist says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. The meaning is hope in the Lord, because that which you desire is not a matter of compensation. Um, what, uh, here, I need to check the Hebrew here. Right. In other words, God doesn't owe you anything. Right. He, everything comes from from Chesed, uh, uh, that is, which is un, un, uh, unowed. Um, and there is no being but God who can do kindness, for He alone is the source of all favor and kindness. For with the Lord there is mercy, and not with anyone else. Okay. So just to summarize here, okay. Anytime, so obviously we uh, we do rely on other people for and uh, for for like Tov and Chesed, you know. But what you have to realize is the limitations of those people, and when you are in a situation of need and like um, whether it's like just day-to-day need or like dire need and you're tempted to put your trust in people, you have to realize that those people are limited in all these ways, you know, that they are changing. They might not be, you know, you, they might be in a position to help you now, but they won't be later on. You know, they, they might need other factors to cooperate with them in order to, to do that. They, um, they, what happens if your need changes? Right. They might not be able to provide you with all the needs because, um, you know, they can only do one thing or uh, and also there might be things that could prevent them. So the, so really, you, of course, have to practically rely on other people. But you have to realize that the only one who can actually put your trust in is God and not put your trust in these uh, these limited things. So that's the end of his first point. Any questions on that? And we've talked about these ideas before in Tehillim, but I, I've never seen them spell out so clearly with one possible also. Yeah, um, I think he says like. That you can only get kindness from Hashem. Mm-hmm. Absolute kindness. That, yeah. Right. That doesn't. I don't see why that would be because a person could happen to do absolute kindness for you. Like the kindness so, is separate from the being that does the kindness. Okay. So I, I think the question is going to be, what does he mean by absolute? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the way I'm understanding it is, I'm kind of translating absolute as um, just from the way he's talking as dependable. As like, this is something that is unqualified chesed, let's put it that way, like unqualified, unlimited chesed, you know, that has no no strings attached. The only one who can do that is God. Now, that doesn't mean that God will definitely do it. It's not no strings attached in that way. It's that the only one who can do it is a being with these four qualities. Yeah. Can we just uh, summarize each quality again? Yeah. Unchanging, uh, does not need help, can do opposite things. And no one can stop him. No one can prevent him. Yeah. And this is remarkably similar to the um, to the three qualities that the uh, Rashba uh, talked about that we did in. We did it last year in the Rashba. And then Rapesach also did it in the same Rashba that uh, are alluded to in the first three brachos of the Shemona Esrei. That, um, that uh, it's, 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 it's not exactly the same, but it's, um, it's uh, maybe it's not the same at all. 
No, it's not the same at all. <laughs> no, it's an overlap. Never mind, it's an overlap. I'll say it anyway because it's a good idea. Also, the Rosh uh, said that before you engage in Bakasha, you have to review three ideas. The idea that everything God does is uh, out of chesed, not because he owes, he owes you stuff. The idea that God is um, is all powerful, like you could do anything. And the fact that um, there's no one else to turn to except for him. So uh, this idea fits into that idea. All right. So, so in Magin Avos, uh, in the Brach of Avos, you say, Gomel Chasadim Tovim, that everything God does is uh, out of Chesed and you're not owed anything by God. In Atagibor, you emphasize God's omnipotence, uh, that he can even do stuff against nature like resurrect the dead. And then in Atakadosh, it's saying that that he is the only one, uh, there, there's no one else besides him. And this is the four premises of the um, of uh, of why you can't rely on anyone else other than him. Yeah, Oren. Oren. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm driving. So okay. A little you do an accident. Yeah. Um, you're saying God doesn't owe us anything. Does that mean that God like, can't do? Sedek to us because Sedek is necessarily like what what you were what you ought to have so to yeah. speak what you're owed. Yeah. So um, Oren's premise is from the Rambam in the uh, sec. I always forget this. It's the second to last chapter of the Morning of Buchim, where the Rambam defines um, Chesed as goodness that is not owed and Sedek as as goodness that is owed. Right. So, for example, if you have um, if you work for me as a as a, a hired worker and I give you your wages, that's sedek. That's not chesed. But if you're someone who is uh, who has no relationship to me and I give you a hundred bucks, that's chesed. You know. So, Oren's question is: If God doesn't owe anything, then um, then does that mean that God can't? If everything God does is chesed, then does that mean that God doesn't do tzedek? So, the answer to your question, Oren, is uh, I can. If you remind me, I can direct you to the shear. I gave a shear like shortly before the winter break where we went over what it means for God to do tzedek. Uh, and it was like a revolutionary idea for me. Um, but it's so big of an idea that like, I can't get into it right now. Um, so uh, if you remind me, I'll, I'll, I'll resend you the link. Um, the, the short answer is that God's tzedek is different from our tzedek. Okay. Okay. So now let's go on to where he's going to explain, um, what you're allowed to ask God for. Okay. And this is, again, this is a very touchy issue because I think, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll prepare us for this. Right. So I think that there are two extremes. Okay. I think when you first start off as a kid, then you ask, you, you ask God for everything and anything. And like you, you basically treat him like a magic genie. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Then either you, um, Come to yeshiva, <laughs> or you learn the halachos of uh, tefillah shav, and you realize uh, tefillah shav meaning the things that you're not allowed to ask God for. Uh, or, or when I said you come to yeshiva, I mean you, um, you know, like I was just uh, was talking with, I was talking with Chaim Zifkin about this, about like we were comparing stories about the first time we learned, uh, you know, the answer to the question, can God uh, make a rock that he can't lift? You know, yeah. uh, and, uh, and like, you know, and that's the, you know, when you first hear the notion that God can't do the impossible, right? So then you know that there are, is this the first time here? <laughs> um, <laughs> why is he running out? No, um, <laughs> the, uh, um, then you realize, okay, God can't do the impossible. And then there's a problem that you end up going to the opposite side, 
you know, which I feel like there's some people in, in this Tefillah Shir who have expressed notions, uh, none, none of whom are in, in Zoom or in the room right now, you know, <laughs> no, who like basically end up with this idea of Tefillah where like, like you're only asking for like, uh, you know, like you're not even at, like they try to get the Bakasha out of Tefillah, you know? Okay. So I think those are two, two extremes, right? Like God is magic genie and like God as a being who I'm not even interacting with and like doesn't actually like respond to my Tefillah, you know? So those are both unhealthy. But then there is this halakha of tefillah shav, that you're not allowed to ask God for things that are, are definitively impossible. In fact, let's review that now really quickly, um, because I don't think we've been through those halakhos in in uh, in a while or at all here. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole sugya of tefillah shav, but I will point out, um, I, I know I've recommended this a billion times, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do a billion and one. Um, in Hakira Journal... Uh, then um, there's this article, Tefillah Shav, The Limits of Prayer as a Means. Uh, slow loading. L- the Limits of Prayer as a Means to Understanding Its Transform- Transformative Nature by Ari Bleicher, uh, Allah Shalom uh, from Ari Shiva. Uh, this was the, uh, for those who don't know, this was, um, this is, uh, uh, this was Marcy's husband. Uh, and he, I think he was, I think he was a radiologist and he found uh, a brain tumor and uh, that, that I don't know all the facts, but I remember it being described as like, if you imagine like um, a tumor in the shape of, of a tumor and the brain in a Havdalah candle configuration, like inoperable, like you couldn't, you know, so he, he, one of his wishes was he wanted to write up his ideas on what you can't daven for, you know, because he, you know, he, he couldn't daven for this. Um, and so that this article was the product of that. It's the best treatment I've seen on the, on the subject. So I highly recommend everyone should read it. Um, but the halacha, so we're not going to go to the whole understanding. You could read that for there, but I just want to read the halacha. Uh, so this is in, oops, this is the wrong PowerPoint. Sorry. Hold on. We can close this now, actually. If we can do that. Hold on. Uh, computer's so slow. We'll find out if I can dive in for the computer to speed up. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, the halacha is in the Shulchan Aruch. There's a whole simon devoted to this. Uh, Orachayim uh, Reish Lamid. Okay, 230. Um, hold on, not showing up here in the way. Oh, so slow. Okay, so it says, waiting on my screen. I know it's up there, but hold on. Okay. Hamis Palau, Al Masha Avar, someone who davens for what is in the past. He goes into the city, and he hears that sound of an outcry in the city, right? Or our, our thing um, is like, uh, you know, you hear, uh, you see the, the fire trucks uh, driving ahead of you to race towards where your house is. But Amr, and he says, he returns to Lohi, and you say, may it be God's will that this voice is not from my house. Or his wife is pregnant after 40 days of pregnancy, which is when they thought that was like the, that the, uh, the gender was determined. He say, may it be his will that my wife give birth to a male. That is a, a tefillah in vain. Okay. You can only dive in about the future. And you can only give thanks about the past. Okay. Or, and this is the, uh, the trickier halacha. Oh, so the premise here, by the way, is that God uh, cannot change the past, okay? Or if you want to try to teach this halakha to someone who has 
qualms with the notion of God not being able to do the impossible, say God won't change the past. Okay. But, um, but really God can't change the past. He doesn't mention like the classical example of the tomorrow. Like you can't, you can't ask for God to like, uh, you know, for a girl to like you or, um, or if, but uh, that's not, that's not a uh, tefillah shove. No, that's why isn't that, isn't that the thing? No, that's a different problem. At least the way you've explained it to me that that's a problem that, that God won't interfere with someone's Bahira, Right. But he certainly can. Right. But it's not impossible. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Hanichnas, and then the second one, this is very much harder halacha to understand. Hanichnas lamod es grano. Someone enters to measure his grain uh, after you've like harvested. He uh, says, May be Hashem, my God, that you send blessing to this pile of grain. But once you begin to measure, you say, Blesses the one who sends blessing uh, in his pile. If he measured and then blessed afterwards, uh, Blessing is only found in something which is hidden from the eye. <laughs> okay, so once you've counted it already, you can't like daven for it to like grow in, 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 in size. Okay, so those are the halachos of tefillah shav. Okay, so that's like our anchor line. We know halachically you're not allowed to daven for that. But the question is, what about like davening for a miracle? Okay, or what about like davening for something very unlikely? Okay, that's what he's going to address. So tefillah shav is something that's impossible. That's impossible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he says like this, and I, I think we're going to end up after this with four categories of that you should think through whenever you want to dive in for something. Okay. That's that's my hope. Okay. So here's what he says: Prayer should therefore be directed to him alone. Uh, to him alone, to no one else. For how can a man pray to one who has, who ha- cannot grant his his prayer request? Okay. Reason dictates that one should only pray to one who is able to grant one's request. For oh, sorry, he, I totally forgot. He goes through a separate idea first. Separate idea. For the impulse to pray comes from reason. Okay, and if you want this in Hebrew, um, the impetus to daven comes from your rational faculty. Okay, uh, I wanted to switch to the Hebrew for this. There's a puzzle that says, Hashem, you hear the, de- the desire of the poor, which would indicate that God is responding to their desire, not their mind. Okay. Even though it says that, that implies that tefillah really comes from the taiva, from the, uh, the, psych- the psyche. Okay. Ain't okay. That's not really true. Ella ki. Once your your uh, psyche, once your appetitive faculty, your emotions, desire are aroused for a desire, then your rational faculty starts to think about strategies, plans to get the thing that you desire. And then once your intellect conclude, judges, uh, concludes that this is only attainable through Hashem, who is has uh, who's omnipotent. Um, and God gives chesed even to people who are not roy. Then your intellect will tell you to daven to Hashem. Um, and since the beginning of tefillah is from the psyche, from the emotions, then the 
Pusik ascribes the listening of tefillah to the uh, to the to the emotions. That's why it says the desire of the poor you have heard, Hashem. As if the davening itself comes from the psyche. The came, but that's not true. Rather, tefillah comes from the intellect that arouses a person to the towards the good and to love God. But the the psyche is the opposite. It wants things that are contrary to love of God and contrary to the good. And that's why the Pasuk ends, it says, prepare your heart and listen with your ear. To show you that that the that God's hearing of the desires of the poor is only after they have prepared their rational faculty towards tefillah and clinging to Hashem. That's what it means. Prepare your heart, and then your the ear will listen. Let me say that in English. Okay, let me read it in English and then explain it in English. He says. Um, where is it? Start here. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm just going to read this paragraph in English here. Uh, it is because the first beginning comes from the power of desire that the Bible connects the hearing of prayer with the power of desire. Hence, the Bible says, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble as if prayer came from the faculty of desire. But it is not so. Prayer is due to the power of reason, which prompts man to do good and to love God, whereas the power of desire has the opposite tendency. Meaning that it can, I mean, of course, the desire can make you do good and love God, but it could also make you like do bad stuff. Um, for this reason, the biblical verse ends up with the words, thou wilt direct their heart, thou wilt cause thine ear to attend, to indicate that God does not hear the desire of the humble until the rational power is prepared for prayer and to cleave to God. First, thou wilt direct their heart and then cause thine ear to attend. Now, this is a really important idea because I think it goes against a lot of what people assume about tefillah. Okay, I think, and I'm not saying that no one holds this. I'm saying our goal is to understand the Sefer Ikarim here. I think a lot of people feel that what kind of tefillah does God listen to is an outpouring of your emotions. Now, we saw that outpouring of emotions are necessary in order to change you because that was what the Avodah Saleh said is that you have to completely give over your heart to God. But what the Sefer Ikarim is pointing out is that it's not the giving over of your heart and the pouring out of your, of your emotions that is going to cause your tefillah to be heard. It's the fact that you're you start by desiring and having this like desire that you uh, for, for something you direct that to your mind, your mind realizes that God is the only one I can turn to for those four reasons. And then you pour your heart into directing your mind to that one being who can, who can answer your tefillos. So, and God responds to the mind. Okay. So in other words, you, the, this is really outlining where the place of emotion in tefillah is. Emotion is where it starts. Cause that's what makes you aware. That's how we're designed. It makes you aware of, uh, you know, you, you, <laughs> Hunger is, uh, your body has a need for food, okay? But then that generates a desire for food. And the desire is what actually gets you to seek food. Having a need for food doesn't actually get you to seek food. It's the need triggers the desire and the desire triggers you to get the food. So, so you need those. So the emotions is where everything starts, okay? And then your emotions say, okay, well, where can I get this from? Well, there's only one being I can absolutely depend on, and that's God. And then you channel all your emotions into relying on God and using the mechanisms of tefillah. Okay? Okay, any questions on that point? Yeah? No. Oh, okay. Kind of process everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, this is... This is okay, I'm going to rant for a second here. Like, 
there's treasures here. There's Rishonim explain how tefillah works, and yet people people don't don't go don't go there. And by the way, how did I get here? In trying to answer our questions, I just looked up listening to tefillah, and it took me to this one paragraph. And then I read the whole thing. I was like, wow, he's explaining all of tefillah here. You know? Okay. All right. Rant over. Okay. So Daniel was also told from the first day that you did set that. Okay. You know, actually, hold on a second here. Do I want to do this? Time, time. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this. Okay. Daniel was told from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and humble thyself before God, thy words were heard. Uh, in explanation of this, our rabbis say, okay, this is a weird statement. I hadn't seen this one before. Um, our rabbis say, where do our rabbis say this? Uh, I'm going to switch to Hebrew here, actually. Hold on. Um, I'm using my nice version here. Um, okay, so this is very interesting. Okay, and this is where he just drops the bomb in this, I think, in this paragraph. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to fast before your God, your words were heard. So the question is, what does it mean from the first day? Okay. That even accepting upon yourself that you're going to fast, even before you actually fast, that will help your tefillah be accepted because your mind is prepared. Okay. Meaning, oh, I'm oh, sorry. We say this in, uh, in Aneno. Okay. That before we call out, then God answers. So the question is, how, how does that work? How does it work before we call out God answers? Once you prepare your mind to Davin, or to be submissive and to fast, before you actually do the tefillah or the tainus in action, God answers. All right, this is giving us clues, by the way, okay, about how God answers tefillah. He's saying, and this is a radical statement, he's saying that it's not even the act of tefillah that makes God answer or that, that, that God is responding to. What is it? It's the preparing of the mind and the to getting yourself in the mentality to Davin that God responds to. Now, obviously you have to Davin. Why? Because they, yeah, okay. Because they're yeah, acting on it. Like, like exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. In other words, in other words, if you, if you didn't go to the gym, then evidently you weren't preparing to go to the gym, you know, like, like it, it wouldn't be, or it's like the people who say like, uh, you know, I'll sin, then I'll do chuva. you know, like it's, you know, that's not real chuva then, you know, but, but so, but, but the, the point is that what is God responding? He's, he's responding to the state of your mind that the tefillah stems from, not from the words themselves. Okay. And while they are talking in, to do the tefillah, then God's listening. Even before they actually dive in. Here's the, here's the, uh, okay. But only after your intellect determines that it is proper to daven for that thing. And that that thing is possible to attain. Not only because of the giver, God could do anything. But you have to discern 
whether it is possible for you, if it is possible for you to receive that chesed. Okay, so in other words, God will respond to your tefillah just based on your mind before you even start to dive in. But that's only if you go through the process of, of determining, am, is it possible for me to receive this chesed? Okay, and he gives this wacky example that like, is the only thing we have to work with here. Okay. He says, if the recipient doesn't have the power to receive such a big chesed, which is something that it is not in his portion or in his lot or in his ability to receive, then it's not proper for you to ask for rachmim on it. Shemi, now here's his example. Shemi, she is Paolo Lashem, someone who davens to God. Shiam Lichehu Akol Olam Alexander. He says, let me rule over the entire world like Alexander the Great. If someone davens to God and says, God, make me rule, rule the world like Alexander the Great. Okay. 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 Even though it is possible from the standpoint of the giver, meaning God can make someone rule over the world. Okay. God can do anything. But since it is not possible for the recipient to get such a big chesed, it is not proper to daven for it. Okay? Not every person is fit to rule over the entire world. It's possible that there is a person who is more um, fit for this than this guy. And God will not withhold good from that other guy on account of this. Okay, this, this throws a whole wrench into my understanding of tefillah because I always thought, again, so again, just back up here, why this is so shocking. I always thought that you are allowed, you, it's only us for you to dive in for impossible things. Okay, but at, if it's not impossible, then um, there's a phrase that I'll use. Anything your heart desires, right? I thought you're allowed to dive anything your heart desires. But what he's saying is he's saying, no, it's not that God's going to give you everything your heart desires. You have to assess, is are you worthy of this chesed? And then, and then once you make that determination, if that determination is correct, then God will respond to your intellect's determination of that in order to get the thing. Yeah. Is he saying that's like a given? Like, you mean that God's automatically going to do it? Yeah. No, I don't think so. But yeah. Are you saying? Are you kind of? Is your question whether or not if this is an impossible request? No, because he's saying here it is possible, it is, right? It is possible, but but so so in other words, I understand you can't ask for impossible things. Right. But he's saying you there's a, in the category of possible things. There's even things you can't ask for, or you shouldn't ask for. You shouldn't ask for. Which is what ruling over the whole world. Wait, what? 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 It's, it's, it's saying you shouldn't ask. You for should it? not ask for ruling over the whole world. Wow. He says, I'm a little confused, but if it's possible, okay, okay. yeah, that, that's I the round of one. Okay, okay. all right, so let me reread it. And I'll reread it in the English translation. Okay, maybe that'll be easier to follow because I was gonna pray for that tomorrow. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, you gotta get the shmias o's in here. So he says, um, uh, so he says, like this, I will, and okay, and while they're, uh, 
The meaning is when the rational power prepares itself to pray or to submit to God and fast, even before the actual prayer and fasting take place, I, God, will answer. And while they are talking about praying and fasting, I will hear them, even before they actually begin their prayer. Provided, however, that the rational power has decided that the thing in question is a proper thing to pray for and that it is possible of attainment, not merely so far as the giver is concerned, for God can do everything, but that the possibility is there also so far as the recipient is concerned, i.e. that he is properly prepared to receive the favor in question. For if the recipient is not capable of receiving so great a kindness, if it is something which is not in his power to receive, it is wrong to pray for it. Thus, it is wrong to pray to God that he should make one king over the whole world like Alexander the Great, though it is possible so far as the giver is concerned, since God can do everything. The reason is because the recipient is not capable of receiving so great a favor, for not everyone is fit to rule over all the inhabitants of the earth, as there may be among them someone who is better prepared for it than he, and God would not deprive the other one on account of this one. Um, Let's just finish reading the last sentence here. Um, the kindness of God invoked by prayer shows itself to the recipient according to the power of the latter to receive. Okay, in Hebrew, that is, The chesed of Hashem extend from tefillah to the recipients in accordance with their ability to receive them. And then he says, that is... The meaning, uh, that is what the psalmist had in mind when he says, commit thy way unto the Lord, meaning that it is the wisdom of God that determines what things are beneficial to man and who is worthy to receive his benefits. Yeah, Akiva? It sounds like almost that Ur heard Hashem uh, to listen. Yeah. Not necessarily answer, but to listen. Yeah. Um, you have to actually truly know what you're asking for. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Because meaning like, oh, I know I'm asking, so I'm asking to rule the world. Yeah. You have to to really understand what that means and what that entails, how it fits into your... You really understand that it doesn't make any sense anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a huge clue that's going to lead us into like what it means for God to listen to tefillah. Because again, just let me just just repeat your words. Like in order for God to listen to your tefillah, to hear your tefillah, it has to actually be in line with rationality. And in order for it to be in line with rationality, you need to understand what you're asking for. Which means that all the tefillos, I hope this doesn't discourage anyone from doubting. <laughs> no, no, see, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be more in a second. I mean, all the tefillos that like a person doesn't really like um, think about, you know, like God's not necessarily going to listen to those, you know, or he's going to only listen to them to the extent that you understand what you're saying and that you, you is uh, that it's, uh, you know, in line with rationality. Now, this is why, this is why it, I'm so thankful that we had the Anche Knesset write our tefillos for us. Because can you imagine, can you imagine back in the day when tefillah was del Raisa, before the Durbanans, when you had to come up with your own words for tefillah, and you had, and, and what would tefillah mean? You'd have to sit there and assess all your own needs and then ask God in your own words, in precise language, for exactly what your needs are. That's a difficult task. Like, I'm not up for that task, you know? Okay, let's go with uh, Isaiah, Tamar, Ayala, and then Ariel. Clockwise, yeah. Um, first question, counterclockwise, counterclockwise, yeah. Um, what does he, so he, he refers to like people being capable of receiving goods or yeah. capable? Roy, right? Uh, um, let me just see the, the Hebrew here, just to make sure I got it. Yeah. Um, After, uh, oh, so in the Chokam she Kabo Chesed, so he says, yeah, this is a difficult question. Mechukosh le Kablo in line with their hope, which means like with what they deserve. Like um, in Asia Sky, we say, we say there's a puzzle. Um, 
I think there's a puzzle like that in Asia's Kyle. Uh, well, yeah. Also says Koach later, I think. Koach, yeah. Mashiach, yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, hold on just a second here. Uh, this is going to bug me unless I get it now. Mishle 31. Oh, yeah. Vatitin Lebesa, Vachok Lenarosa. Chok means like their, their, pro, their, their, um, their allotted portion, right? Like that which is, uh, which is, uh, you know, which you deserve, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, say. Well, what would it mean for a person to like not be capable of receiving a certain good? Like person, let's say a person is a random guy and then he dominates to become king of the world. Yeah. Then he becomes king of the world. Like he's able to physically able to become king of the world. Like it's not going to be good for that guy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. Like why is that important that it's not going to be good for him in terms of what he's allowed to adopt? Right. So it, it is funny because the reasoning he gives, he says, God will not withhold the good from this guy on account of, uh, on account of this one. Um, and you know what reminds me of this might just be my own association. So, okay. Let's see if anyone, uh, knows their, uh, their, 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 their covenants. <laughs> okay. Why? Okay. God, um, had the Jews in Mitzrayim. Okay. Uh, and for a certain amount of time, okay. So can list different amounts. Okay. But, uh, and then he brings them and they, they multiply and then he brings them into Eretz Israel. Okay. Why doesn't he bring them to Eretz Israel sooner? Yeah. Because of the model? Um, no. Meaning why does he keep them in Mitzrayim for so long? Oh, because we what was it? Well, why does the puzzle say? Okay, I don't know what the puzzle says, but um, yeah, well, but but yeah. but but why does the puzzle say Arbab Well, you mean with with his with with this conversation with Abraham? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess this is kind of sorry. I guess okay. Maybe maybe I'm I'm saying this as though there's only one answer. Um, I so mean, this is part, I mean, this is part of us is because we we we, we send right. That yeah, right. Okay, fine. So yeah, this is I, I shouldn't have said it as though there's only one answer. But what I was trying to get at is he says, the door haravii yeshuv uhena. The fourth generation will return here. Okay, why? Kilo shalim avon haemori adata because the punishment of the emory or the sin of the emory will not be complete until then. Oh, okay. Right. So so in other words, so the, the way the Ramban explains it is he says that. Um, that God is not, even if the Jews are worthy to go into Eretz Yisrael, God is not going to kick out these people just because the Jews are, are worthy. God's not going to, like, in other words, if these people don't deserve to get kicked out, God's not going to kick them out or, or have us come in and kick them out, you know, uh, because God's not going to like push aside those other ones. You know, it's not exactly the same thing, but, but it reminds me that, 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 uh, and it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe this is my own association. But that, 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 that doesn't mean he needs to make us slaves. Then. No, no, right, right. So the, the, yeah, that, that's right. He didn't need yeah. to make slaves, but there could have been another solution worked out. Sorry, I, I missed your question. Uh, well, yeah, what's we I mean? Why does it matter that they're... Why does it matter? Really? Like, what, what does it mean whether or not a, a person is capable of receiving a certain good? Yeah. Like, I don't really know what that means. Right. Um, and then why does that matter in terms of what you should dive for? Okay, good question. Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, I, I'm going to have to think about that. I think we have to work those out. Uh, okay. Uh, Ayala. Um, so also similar when it says, yeah. so I thought it was saying that like, because 
he wouldn't be best fit or like whatever this position wouldn't be good for him or whatever but because it says chasid gadol kazet yeah like it seems like it's not that like it's this thing which he's not ready for or prepared for or something but it's something about like or i don't know if i'm just reading this wrong but what is the idea of like a chasid god like it's right. not that he's not worthy for the I, I see the distinction yeah that, that's a good it's a good, very good question i think that that we'll, we'll bundle that with isaiah's yeah uh, what, what, what are the questions the question is like the way that the Sefer Karim, the reason why Sefer Karim says it's you can't, you shouldn't ask to be king of the world is because you're not Roy for such a great chesed. So what does that mean? That like such a great chesed, you know, like if he said something like it wouldn't be good for you, you know, that would be different. Yeah. But he's putting it only towards like, it's it's like, it's too great of a chesed for you, you know? So, uh, well, I know tomorrow is next. Oh yeah, tomorrow's next. And, yeah, tomorrow's next, and then Ariel, and then Oren, and then uh, Yeti. Yeah, tomorrow. Um, so I think my question got asked, but now I, I want to float a partial suggested answer for the Koach on the Kabel okay, sure. thing. Yeah. Um, maybe. Um, oh, one sec, I, I lost it. Wait, I think I'm going to. Uh, uh, okay. I think, like. Okay, no, I forgot. I'll, I'll think about it and. and uh, okay, uh, yeah, all right. But okay, so, so just 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 to uh, you know, summarize really quickly, yeah. So the Sefer Karm is saying that you know, technically, this is possible, and normally, you know, this would be you know, like anything that's possible, it's, it's good you're able to request, yeah. right? But you shouldn't ask something that's uh, you know, that that you are aren't capable of you know meeting essentially meaning if you're unable to rule the world if you're not fit for that then even though it's possible that's not an appropriate request for you yeah i would however agree, uh, i would agree with that statement even though he, he doesn't use those exact words i mean in, that, that's what we're trying to figure out right is the in roy and right. not mikoko yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah but, I'm but yeah i'll go yeah 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 yeah, it, yeah. I, I sure that's fine yeah especially quote like so, however, the implication is that if someone is able to do that, then that would be an appropriate request. Right. But so now we're learning from that in as a universal rule that you know even you know something that may be an average request for an individual, you know that request may be good for someone, you know for other people it may not be good because it right. depends on the situation. Right. So, doesn't that now mean that? Well, first of all, why? I don't know if that's. I don't. Know. I think that's why. Why? Ask, like, like, what's the problem? What's the consequence if you ask for that? Right. And like, what does it? What yeah. does it mean <laughs> that? Uh, you know that. You know that that. Like, what's the harm? I okay. Guess, the harm. All right. That's another good question. All right. Good. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. We got. We got lots of questions. Okay. Good. Uh, tomorrow. Um. I just. Just a thought. Um. I think this is not a complete answer for why things are phrased this way, but at least like a different paradigm that it's not. Is like when you want something, if you want to ask God for it so that God will like solve your problem. But I think instead it's requiring you to have a certain responsibility for what you're going to do with the thing that God gives you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you want something and you ask God for it, you also have to think about how you're going to take that thing forward if God gives it to you. Right, you have to think of yourself as as to really follow the implications of being a recipient, which yeah, yeah. also means what next and how is this going to affect your life? Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a hint in the right direction also about our original question about like, um, 
what we mean when we say God hears Tefillah and answers Tefillah. Okay, good. Uh, Oren? Um, attempt at an answer for what does it mean that like this thing is logically possible, but we can't solve for it? Okay. Um, I think there's a difference between what's logically possible and what's sort of logistically possible. Okay. Um, the example that I use in my head right now is sort of I imagine like a 12th grader who gets straight C's and they're diving to get into Harvard. It's logically okay. possible that they're going to get it. Like if they apply, somehow they'll get into Harvard. But logistically, it's impossible. There's no way that somebody, you know, with their grades and their track record or whatever, just get in. That's not going to happen. Logically, it's possible, but logistically, it's not. And I think that's sort of the, the type of thing he's talking about. Okay, so I like the distinction you're making. I don't know, because of, um, of Ayala's question, I don't know if that's what he means, because he says it's not... All, the, all this depends on, on this statement. It's in and this idea of it not being Roy for him. I think we need to think about that a little bit more because that's really putting the emphasis on his fitness for it, you know, which is sounds slightly different than what you're saying. I, but I, I do like your distinction. And I actually want to, um, uh, did you have a question, Yusti? Or? Well, I think it was just, Taking a slightly different view of this question, yeah. question that, that Isaiah was asking is, is it a person only should be asking for something where maybe you'd say zero sum relative to the bigger picture to other people? Or does it, or even if it might not affect another person, but could, is there something that a person still might not be right? Right. So I think in his example, it's like a zero sum situation, but I, I think that was just part of the example. I think this could even be if no one else is involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can, can I try to answer some questions? Uh, I just want to actually um, uh, uh, do one more source, which will address what Oren was saying, which will then finish the sources I wanted to present here for tonight, okay. which is, um, and we, I think someone asked me about this somewhere. Uh, in, okay, this is in that Tefillah Shav thing. Um, I, I think I, I went through this in Lomdeha, I remember. Um, so the, where are we here? So in the Gemara about the Tefillah Shav, I'm going to skip through the Gemara. Uh, there is a Bechor Shor who says, um, so he says like this, uh, Why is it a Tefillah Shav if you ask for your the gender of the baby to, to, to transform? Okay. Um, uh, uh, why can't you dive in that God does a miracle, right? God can do miracles. Uh, just like you did for Rachel and Leah, because the Gemara says that Dina was supposed to be a, a boy and then uh, switched to a girl when, when she dived in. Right? Why is it that if you dive in for a, a miracle, then that's Tefillah Shav? So he answers, you can make a different uh, uh, distinction. Devada Yachid Loyis Certainly, an individual may not daven for a miracle. Deman Yemar Again, here we get to the worthiness issue. Who's to say that he's worthy of this? If you daven that a miracle should be done on behalf of the many, the masses, Kanusa Harachman Nisim, like we say in this is part of my Hanukkah here, that um that all the Nuschaos except for. Ashkenaz uh, have tefillos that God should do miracles for us 
just like he did at the time of Hanukkah. And same thing for Purim. Shabirami, that's fine. So you are allowed to daven for miracles for the masses, but not for the individual because you might not be worthy. Okay. So just consequently here, we have, there are, when you ever you're davening for something, there are four categories. Okay. So if it is something that is impossible for God to do, like changing the past, so then it is a tefillah shav and it's us to daven for it. Okay. If you're davening for a miracle, so you are allowed to daven for a miracle for, for the masses. Okay. But not for the individual, not for yourself or I guess any individual, um, uh, because you might not be worthy for it. Now, I guess you would also say if it's for an individual that is worthy of having a miracle be done for them, then that would also be okay. You know? Um, okay. Then you get to things like this great category that we're trying to figure out here of, of things that are, are totally possible for God, even through natural means, not even with a miracle, but it's just not Roy, you know, uh, to get such a big chesed like being king of the world. Okay, that's the category we have to figure out. And then there's all the other stuff that we dive in for, which you determine with your mind that you are really for, and it is possible, and you just have to understand like what we mean to receive it. Okay, that's that's like our our challenge is to like map out the contours of these like four categories. Okay, yeah, Isaiah. Do the Tashat and Shmonat's ring in the middle section fall under the? Second category that you said, or the fourth category? The fourth category. Otherwise, they wouldn't be part of the Nusach. Is that uh, all the stuff, all the percussions in front of Esrei right. are, uh, are things that, that Chazal deemed are the normal needs of people? Aren't they the needs of like Amish? They are, but they're not, mir- we're not asking for miracles. Right. Yeah. Yara? Uh, I, yeah, I, you can answer. You can answer. I'm not going to make you delay uh, an answer you, twice. You, you, don't, you don't have to acknowledge, but, you know, but, but, it's, but maybe you can say that like, you know, like, like David the Gadol Barba is, is supposed to, you know, put, put us in the right framework of our relationship with the Gadol Barba. Right. right. So I think it's, you know, it's fair to say and safe to say that uh, if if you dive for something that's impossible, and if you have this mentality that God can do that and He doesn't do it, then you'll probably you know become a cobra. That might be right? true, right? Or or you or you yeah. have a, okay, fine. I mean, that's definitely a risk. Yeah, that's definitely a risk. You you you'll have a distorted you know, idea of a gun. Right. Right. And that, that's dangerous. Right. Right. You know, yeah. I think, I think that that is an inherent harm. Yeah. Right. And, and that, that's for something that's obviously, you know, impossible. impossible. Yeah. Right. Now, now the gray area, you know, yeah. which is you're dominating for something that God can make possible. Right. But you yourself, um, you know, like you're not able to practically or physically or psychologically or whatever, means you're unable to match that up with you know god's you know possibility it's more on you and you may project it onto god thinking that it's impossible but yeah. it is possible and that it'll also be harmful for your relationship with god yeah so i think that can be okay so too. right that's um, yeah that, that is definitely these are all definitely true factors but what i would like to look for is why you're looking for like you shouldn't do this because there, there is a, a risky consequence to your relationship with God that could emerge from the fact that this tefillah is not going to be answered, right? Yeah, because it's not a stuff from you. Right, yeah. I'm looking for something more like this is not a valid act of tefillah. Oh, it's not a valid act of tefillah because it's equivalent to it being, it's, it's like the tefillah itself is equivalent to its tefillah shah because, because it's, it is 
it is actually impossible for you, like for you yourself. It's not, it's not that it's impossible for God uh-huh, to do, right. but it's impossible okay, for I, you I, I, as a, yeah. to fulfill those things. Right, I hear that, I hear that. Yeah. yeah. So in a, in a way, it's it's a okay. I, I, I hear that. Yeah. Okay. Let's think about these also, because remember. So I I was correct. Why do I always think that? Of course, we we weren't going to be able to do two chapters tonight. There's one whole other chapter which is um. We'll do sneak peek here. Oh, actually, I'm not going to do the sneak peek. Uh, the other chapter is about um why people are in doubt about whether uh, God uh, answers Philos. And then that's when he talks about God answering Tfila. Okay. So I, I'd like to do that uh, next time and then, and then get back to our Instagram questions. Wait, wait, wait. You mean like we're gonna low and slow, time. low and slow. God, get the internal temperature correct before you can eat the roast. Yeah, I'll okay. Go, I'll go away next week. Oh, okay. So then next time you'll get, yeah. Okay. All right. We, you know, we, got, we got to move slow here. All right. Thanks for coming. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.